me. So kind of need y'all. And so today I want to make sure that we kind of set a ground rule that, you know, it's okay for us to interact a little bit. Um, and uh, it's okay for you to acknowledge what God's saying and doing. And um, it's, it's not to, to pump me up or make me feel good. I don't want that. Um, I, I want there to always be a freedom in this place for God to lead us wherever he wants us to go. And so if God leads you, you do it. If he doesn't lead you, do not do it. Is that good? That makes sense? So, um, so we're just going to hang out together. We've been in this series uh, talking about freedom. And it's just been really about us um, finding a way to recover from the things that we experience in life. That all of us experience hurts, right? And we, we all... Um, experience some kind of hang-ups about something that uh, affects who we are. And, and for many of us, uh, we experience some type of addiction, something that we become attached to. For some of us, it's, it's chemical. You know, I mean, that's what we always think about. We think of drugs and alcohol and, and those sorts of things. And, and really, if you, if you really think about it, every addiction is a chemical addiction because it, sometimes we become, I mean, we're, we're all addicted to those those chemicals inside of us. That's what drives us to want to do the next things because drugs and alcohol and everything else bring those out in us. You know, whether it's the thrill of gambling, if it's the, you know, if it's, if it's sex, if it's whatever it may be. Um, but let me just tell you that some of us, um, we're addicted to anger because we just like that. We like that drama in our lives and we like the feeling that it gives us from that. Some of us are addicted to relationships because we feel like we need somebody else in our lives. And no matter what they do or how they treat us, we're going to allow them to stay in that relationship. Regardless of what danger it may put us in or whatever, we, we're, we're so attached to that. It's so important. And, and we love the feeling that it gives us in the good times that we are absolutely willing to just take on some horrendous uh, moments within our lives. And so... So I always want to be careful that, you know, uh, this is not about, you know, marriages ending and all of that. It, it is about behaviors ending. And, and so we've got to realize that sometimes when we talk about recovery, some of us don't need recovery from alcohol. We need recovery from, from actions and, and the way that we behave. And so, um, so, you know, I said last week that listen, I'm going to be a little different. And so I'm just going to tell you that if, this, if you came for the feel-good message, um, I, you're free to go. Because, I, I, I mean, really, I, this, I, I hope we all leave here feeling good. But the truth is that I hope we all leave here different. That's, that's the goal. It's, the, the word shouldn't, it should never leave us the same. If we, uh, we put ourselves up against what God says, we should always be different. And, and so I, I want us to always... Have that. We've been talking about recovery, and it's been uh, very interesting how, um, how we've uh, gone through that and, and this, the things that the people that God has brought into my life over the last few weeks, and, and even just kind of watching our Celebrate Recovery program, that it, it seems to just walk right along with this unintentionally. Um, but it's because that God is working, and this is biblical recovery, not some you know, let's just try to figure it out kind of thing. God's got a plan for it. 
And so we've been working through that, and we've been looking at eight principles that walk us through recovery, and we've been using that word, recovery, and each of the letters to begin one of the principles. And so I want to do like we did last week and just start with a review of where we've gotten to so far. And I want you to participate just by reading those out loud together. And so can we just start that? All right. So we'll start with R. Realize I'm not God. Admit I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing. And my life is unmanageable. The E, earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. C, consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Because he does care, and he certainly can control it. O, openly examine and confess my faults to God, to myself, and to someone I trust. V, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. E, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who've hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. All right, and so that's where we've gotten to so far. So if we could just, I'm just saying, if we could get those right, I think we could be completely different people, but, but I still think we would be incomplete people because I don't think you can, you, you can do it without all of the steps. And so today we're going to begin to look at how do we maintain recovery? Because that's really the, the, the crux of it is, okay, if we've done those steps, now we are in recovery, we should be um, feeling the differences that this is making. And, and let me just tell you, we've been in this six weeks so far. Recovery is not a six-week thing. You can't do those steps in six weeks. If you've been tracking along and you've been trying to do it, let me just tell you, there's no way to do all of those in, in this period of time. If, if, if your list um, of amends is as long as mine... Man, it might take you six weeks just to get through that. Just hooking up, you know, making sure that you're, that you're tying off all those loose ends of people that you've harmed. Sometimes it takes us that long just to get up the guts to do it. And so, so this is not some simple process to walk through. These are the steps. And that's why I hope you've been tracking along because, listen, you're going to have to take these. If you find yourself there or you find somebody else that you care about there that you want to help walk through it, it's going to be a process. And you've got to be able to walk through that with them and be patient enough to let God work in and through this process. So today I want us to talk about that. How do we maintain it? How do we not lose progress that, that we've been making in, in our Christian life? Um, growth is not smooth. You, you know, I, I would love to tell you, man, it's just going shoo, smooth like a 747 taking off. It's smooth, right? Uh, it's going to be like one of them puddle jumpers taking off in the middle of a thunderstorm. Anybody ever flown in one of them? My very first flight I took off was like this. I said, God, if you get me on the ground, I'll never do this again. Fortunately, I had to get back from where I was going, and it was on a whole different plane, and I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. This ain't so bad. 
but for, for many of us, the, the road is going to be rough. And, and so let me just tell you, can, can, let me, it's going to be rough. Get over thinking you're going to make it happen really smooth, okay? Can we just know that it's not going to be that way? So don't give up. Many of us get a weekend and we hit a bump and we're like, oh, forget that mess. No, 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 no. I'm okay where I was. No, you weren't okay where you are and you're not going to be okay if you give up now. You you need to hang in there. So so it takes a while. And that's what kind of gets us when we hit bumps sometimes and we get ourselves off track. We file into the, we, we relapse, right? Relapse is one of those words that I think we... Um, we kind of see and, and we're sometimes afraid to use, but, but it has a very simple definition. Uh, it, it's just this, that when it's falling back into self-defeating patterns, right? Just falling back into patterns that get us back to places that God doesn't want us to be. Many of us relapse. We, sometimes in the church, we call it backslide, right? That we backslide, we're not as spiritual as we once were kind of thing. But, but what that really means is we fall back into self-defeating patterns of not reading our Bibles, not praying regularly, not trying to live out the Word in, in front of it. And we get ourselves into the old ways uh, that we had before we knew Christ. And, and so, so in recovery, relapse is a very common place for people to find themselves. And, and let me just tell you that if somebody in your life relapses, it can be really easy to get frustrated with them. You can get really angry with them when they relapse and, and they've fallen back. I, I've been there. I, I've had people in my life that have done it and I've just gotten just angry at them. Because I'm like, why don't you just, you know, why don't you just keep going? But let me just tell you that everybody's probably going to relapse in some way and somehow if they're not doing the things that we're going to talk about today. And so let's just, so if that happens, it's not, again, a place to give up. It's a place to then get behind and let's let's get going again. And so relapse is one of the places that we have to do it. How does it, how does relapse happen? I think that's kind of a, it's a very easy pattern um, and we need to understand it. Very predictable. The first thing that usually happens is complacency. You want to write that down, complacency. You get very comfortable with short-term goals. You get very comfortable in just allowing things to be the way they are, and that you're like, oh, okay, I got, I got a few steps under my belt, and so I can chill out now. I don't know of any addiction that you can just kind of do, go a few days, and, and you're good. It's not going to happen. You've got to stay after it, but we become complacent. Maybe the pain isn't quite as intense as it was the moment you decided to enter recovery. Maybe things seem okay. Maybe even that person... That you're in that relationship, they just happen to be nice a day or two in a row. And now everything's okay. Complacency is a place that gets us in trouble. Maybe you feel like if you're in these steps, you don't need to work them anymore. Can I just tell you that the worst thing an addict can do is to believe they don't have to work the steps any longer. It It will suck them down that drain really quick. So complacency is a place that we, we, can, we begin to see relapse happen. The second is confusion. We start rationalizing. Maybe it really wasn't so bad after all, right? Maybe things, maybe I wasn't as 
addicted as I thought I was. Maybe I wasn't as hurt as I thought it, it, it really was. Maybe, you know, maybe that, that hang-up that I've got, maybe, you know, maybe I, it just isn't quite as bad as I thought. I, I can get over it. You know, what's a little, everybody's got their quirks, right? And so we begin to think it's not so bad, that you can handle it yourself. And so you forget, forget the pain of where you were. The third thing is compromise. We begin to compromise and fall back into temptation. We begin to think it's okay to, to go back to the places that we used to go. I mean, for some of us, you know, the places that we went in our addictions are the places that we have to go every day to do the things that we do every day. When, when I was in my pornography addiction, well, where did I go? I was on the computer, right? Well, guess where I typed my messages? Now, these were at different times, but now as I'm back, as I'm typing messages now, I'm right face first into a computer. Wouldn't it be so easy to become complacent and say, I got this? And then say, you know, but if I just take a little look, it's not such a bad thing. And then I compromise by just, uh, let me just click that and see what it's like. See, it's, I mean, for some of us, it's places that we go, it's people that we, that we and maybe I can just, maybe I can go hang out with them tonight. You know, just tonight, right? Man, we're just going to go, we're going to go see that band play at this place. And the next thing you know, it's, man, if I just have one, I'll be all right. As long as I can still walk when I leave here, I'm okay. I mean, that's how it happens. So we have to be careful of that. And then number four, there is the catastrophe. So we become complacent, we get confused, we compromise, and then there's a catastrophe that we find ourselves right in the middle of it. Man, I'll, I'll just, I'll drink a little tonight. And the next thing you know, we're on the way home and the blue lights pop up behind us, right? It can definitely take us someplace that we don't want to be. The catastrophe is not when the relapse happens. Let me just tell you. We think that when, they, when somebody ends back up with that in jail with a DUI that they've relapsed. Oh, no, no, no. They relapsed way before that. That's just a catastrophe that came as a result of it. So you got to understand that, that there's problems that we find ourselves in. And so, so how, do we, how does that happen? What causes a relapse? I think there's some pretty easy steps to look at that will help us understand. And, and, and I think you gotta, you got to hear them. You need to hear these and allow these to be part of you or you're going to find yourself right back where you were. It's so easy. It's so easy to do. The first thing that causes it is reverting to willpower. Reverting to willpower. When we've talked about willpower throughout this series, that willpower, if it was, if it was just about wanting to do something, to get over a hurt, if it was just about wanting to get beyond that thing that happened to us in the past, if it was just wanting to, you know, to not have to, to take another drink, if it was just about that, man, I think most of us could get on with our lives. It's not just willpower because willpower sooner or later runs out. The Bible says in Galatians 3.3, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit 
Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? When you realize that you need Jesus, because see, let me just say, we all do. We've all fallen short. The Bible makes it very clear that every single one of us, whether we want to believe it or not, every one of us is a sinner. All of us make mistakes. And what, what happens is, is those, uh, that sin, that breaking of that, is it, it allows us not to have a relationship with God. And so because of that, we're separated from him and we can't experience his love. We can't experience who he really is because sin is in our lives. But God knew that we couldn't do anything on our own, so he sent his son Jesus to come to earth to die on a cross to pay the price for your sin and my sin so that the penalty could be paid. And then you and I could have the opportunity to then either believe it or not, to trust it, and be saved. To be restored into a relationship with him. He does that through his son Jesus. It's the only way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way. It's him. Through a trusting relationship in who he is is how we get to know him and experience God in full. And so what happens is when we realize that that's where we are, that that's that's the only way to him, then we begin to see that that's the power. See, we don't have the power. We don't have the power to raise somebody from the dead. We don't have the power to forgive somebody's sin for eternity, but God does through his son, Jesus. It's that power. It's that power that allows us to overcome the things in our lives, the hurts, the hangups, and the habits. That's a power that you and I can experience, but only through a relationship with him. When we revert to our own power, we're going to get things that only you and I can do. I can forgive you of how you harm me. I, I, I can say that, but to truly in my heart be able to forgive you, I can only do that through understanding how I've been forgiven. That God's forgiven everything that I've ever done. If I've confessed it to him, the Bible says he's faithful and just and has forgiven it. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that's forgiven everybody in their life. I mean, can we just, I mean, honestly, just pour it right out. We like to hold on to it. You know, like I've talked about, we like to jab them with it a little bit and, and like make them squirm a little bit. And make them, you know, we don't, we don't forgive like God does. So our power just allows us to say, I'm sorry. God's power allows us to experience forgiveness on our own so then we can, we can give it to somebody else. So you can start off trusting God. See, step one says that I'm powerless to change. Step two says God has the power. But then step three says I'm giving it to him because he can do it. I'm going to turn it over to him. But then we fall back into, well, I can do it on my own. I can, I can do that. And we need somebody in our lives. Listen, you, you and I need somebody. I, I'm thankful that I have these people. I say, who are you kidding, man? Who, are, who do you think you are? Because you, you need to understand you can't do this on your own. You need people around you that love you. You, you need people that say, you're... 
man, Ron, you are wrong. Now, listen, I have people tell me I'm wrong all the time. And sometimes they're wrong. Right? Don't you? Sometimes they're wrong, even when they're really right. See, the only way we can know whether they're right or wrong is if we're allowing God to speak to us, that we're not relying on our own power, but relying on his power. That we're trusting him to be who he says he is, then we can know it. Zechariah 4.6 says, Then he said to me, This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The one who controls the armies of heaven, that has the power to do all of that, says, listen, you can't do it no matter how you try. You can only do it through the strength that, that I have that you can tap into. We can trust him. And we can rely on his power. Only he has the power to take away our defects. If you go back to, to willpower, you're going to relapse. That's, it's just going to happen. Number two, what causes a relapse? Number two, ignoring one of the steps. I said that a little bit ago. You can't skip, you can't skip out. So we try to get in a hurry. We try to move through this. And, you know, we, as, a, as the leaders of Celebrate Recovery, we, we went through the 12 steps in, in a, I don't know, in about nine weeks or something. It was kind of crazy. Kinda, we had to rush through it because we were, we were preparing. and we just we, What we did, though, we went into the understanding of we're going to go through them and we're going we're gonna to help each other understand what they are, but we're going to take the time to work through them. That we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about them, we're going to get through them, but we're going to take the time to walk through them. And let me tell you, that's where we are as leadership of that, of that ministry. Is we're, some of us are walking through some of the steps, and, and it's a hard place to go. We've seen some relapse. We've seen some, you know, some real victories. I mean, that's what it is. That's the way it's going to always be, is there's going to be ups and downs. It's not going to be that smooth takeoff. But we have to understand it, and we have to know that we can't skip out on that. If you do partial steps, you'll get partial recovery. See, I, I, the most common is that we don't want to go to people that we've wronged and say, I'm sorry. None of us like that. But it's key. It's key to us getting over many of the hurts and many of the hangups that we have in our lives of being able to get through that. You need to do them all. You can't skip out. Galatians 5, 7 says, You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? This is the question of who's holding you back. And can I just tell you that many times it's us. We hold ourselves back. We get through it and then we begin to unplug and, and pull back. We try to think we can do it on our own and, and it just doesn't work that way. He says, keep working, keep doing what you've been doing. Know, know what the truth is and stay with the truth. Stay with the basics. Don't try to make up something new. Number three, trying to recover without support. What causes a relapse? Man, trying to do it on your own without anybody around you. I thought in the beginning of my, 
of my recovery that I could do it on my own, right? I knew, you know, I knew the Bible. I knew, this, I, I knew a lot of things, and I thought, I, I, I can handle this. The problem was I'd been trying to handle it for like 15 years, right? So, like, what was going to change it? It wasn't going to be me. It wasn't going to be me making things better. It was going to be God using the, the steps. It was going to be God using uh, other people in my life to support me and walk me through it. You can't do it on your own. You need other people. If it's just one. Listen, you don't got to tell the world your dirty laundry, right? You don't have to go on Facebook and make a big post about it. Find somebody that you trust and begin that process with them supporting you and, and loving you through it. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, two people are better off than one, right? I mean, anything you try to do, if you've got four hands, are always better than two and just about anything you can think of. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is what? In real trouble, right? I like that word real. I, I love that in there. It's real trouble. I mean, you're already in trouble, but now you're in real trouble because you've fallen and you can't get up. Somebody giggled. Anyway. I started to show the commercial, but anyway, I just didn't do it. Falling and I can't get up. Anyway. So, that one kind of bombed really bad. So, hmm. I told somebody I wasn't going to be funny today. I guess that was, was prophecy or something. All right, so you can't lick the problem alone. You can't do it by yourself. All right? No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you push on it and pull on it and, and everything else, it just doesn't get any better. You need support. You need somebody there with you. There are times in my life, listen, the most difficult times that I've experienced as, as a pastor, um, as a, a husband, as a father, were the times where I didn't have anybody else in my life. Now, I had people all around me, right? I got a room full of people all the time. But I got to have people that are there with me, that are letting me be me. Sometimes I don't get to just be me. If I was just me, some people would be like, man, he's... A little weird, right? I know y'all do that anyway. It's a peanut, peanut gallery over there. Anyway, but I need people that, that really care about how Ron is, right? I, I, I mean, and you need people that really care about who you are. And when you have those people in your life, don't you dare push them away. Don't push them out for whatever reason. I'm going to get on somebody's, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings right here. Even if they're your mama or your daddy, if they love you and care about you, you better keep them in your life as best you can. That means you've got to say you're sorry for how you've hurt. They, they may need to be number one on your amends list so that you can have that, them in your corner because they, they are already there. Man, I'm so thankful for the parents I have. You know, I mean, my mom has passed away, but my dad is there, and, you know, he drives here every week. I, I, I think he loves y'all more than he does me. I mean, I really do, because y'all make him feel better. Y'all should have seen him in here dancing last night. 
he, he just blew the whole Baptist thing out of here. Um, I think there's videos of it, y'all. If you haven't been on Facebook, get on there. But, but let me just tell you, my dad has always loved me and supported me in everything that I've done. He may not have agreed with me, but I never doubted for one moment that he loved me and wanted the best for me. And some of you maybe don't have that parent. I, I, I understand that. But you got somebody that cares about you. I'm just telling you, I do. I'll do my best to be that person. I, you know, if I got to do it for 200, I'll do it for 200. But I, you know what I mean? I, you need, you've got people in your life. And so you need to make sure that you hold on to them. So do your best. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, Now let's not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We've been struggling here for, for one of the things that I believe that we need the most in this church are life groups. We've talked about that. I've beat that drum for, I don't know, for the eight years we've been here almost. But I'm just telling you, whenever it gets down to the nitty-gritty of life, and it sucks really bad. I'm sorry, that's just the word I got to use because you get it. When it's that point and things are falling apart and, and you know, someone in your, that you love dies, someone that you care about you know, betrays, betrays you when, when you've lost your job, when you've gone through the most difficult times, when school ain't going the way you want it to go, you need people in your life to hold you up. And God has given us an opportunity to have that around us, and we need to take advantage of that. There are groups of people in this room, and you may not all be sitting together right now, but I could almost, from right here, I could say, you over here, and, you, you, and I could put you guys together in groups, and I bet I could be 95% on it that y'all could hang out together and, and grow spiritually. And so if I can do it, why can't we do that together? And really see God do something amazing in our community. Got to quit trying to do it without support. Number four, becoming prideful. We get overconfident. And we say, man, I got this lit. I'm good. Got it. Done. Move on. That's the worst place to be. You know when a whale gets harpooned? When it just comes up to breathe. When it relaxes and comes up to the top. Boop. See, when you and I relax and we float up to the top and think, man, let me just take a breath. We get, we get walloped with something big. Don't get prideful. Don't think it's all good. Don't think you've got it all worked out. We need to make sure that we keep our, our guard up. Pride is one of those things that just digs in and it holds on. Pride makes us think that it's somebody else's problem, right? That's where we find ourselves. Oh, that's, you know, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. You ever been around somebody that's never their fault? Nothing happens that's ever their fault. It's like the guy that went to a psychiatrist, and he was telling him he's got all these kind of problems, right? All this stuff's wrong. Psychiatrist said, well, let's, let's see if we can diagnose it. Let me see. 
I'm going to show you some images, and I want you to tell me what you see. And so he opens the first one up, and it's a square. He says, oh, that's, the, that's an apartment window, and it's looking outside over, uh, over the city, but I see over in that window, out of that window, I see into another window, and there's a couple there doing their thing. Okay, he closes that one. He opens up the next one. He said, opens it up. It's a circle. He says, oh, that's a circle. I, I, what I see is an umbrella on the beach, and I see a couple underneath that umbrella doing their thing. He closes it back up, and, and, and he opens it up, and, and you know, he, he shows them a couple more, and everything's got something to do with, his, with a couple. And he says, he closes it up. He puts it down. He says, listen, I know what your problem is. You've got a sex addiction. He says, what do you mean? I know there's nothing wrong with me. Everything that happens is somebody else's fault. He's like, you're the one that keeps showing me all the dirty pictures. Some of y'all are going to be driving home and be like, oh, I get it now. I get it. No, no, no. See, we always want to blame somebody else for what's going on in our noggin. And sometimes, you know what, you just, I, I, I'm seriously, I do this all the time. I look in the mirror and I just, I look myself square in the eye and I just say, dude, you, you got to think about this. Dude, you need to think about who you are. Every day you're going to get up, every Sunday you're going to get up on that platform and you're going to talk to people about who, who they are and what God's doing. But you better look yourself in the eye before you ever get up there. Man, that's some of the hardest times in my, in my week is when I just have to let God be honest with me and me honest with him and, and deal with that. Because pride, it, it digs in. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Be careful not to fall. Tells us that pride goes before destruction. I mean, that there's you you set yourself up every time you say, I got this. Because in reality, you and I, most of the time, don't got this. Think about this. You remember back, some of us are a little older in the room will remember this. In the Soviet Union, uh, they had done all these things, and and, and you know the Moscow, the Kremlin is like the, it's the center of the Russian government, right? You remember the time where the, the kid flew the plane in and landed in the middle of it? Anybody remember that time? I mean, this, he, right into the middle of the Russian, you know, the most strongly guarded place, this kid flies a plane in and lands it right in the middle of it. You see, sometimes our strength it is, is the weakest place about us. When we think we've got this all worked out and we're okay, it will get us. What is that for you? How do we prevent a relapse? Really quick, we're going to walk through this really quick. Here's the principle. Here's the second R in recovery. It's this. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and gain the power to do it. There it is. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, for Bible reading and prayer, in order to know God and his will for my life 
and gain the power to do it. So you want to know what URI 201 is going to be all about next week? It's about being able to do that and not, not spend, you know, the majority of your life doing it. It's, it's, it's going to be ways that's going to help you and I be able to do it. It's the simple ways of how do you plug that into to the life that you and I live and experience the fullness that he has in all of this. See, if you can't spend that daily time with him, then you're never going to have the power to live all, out all the things that he has for you. It's just never going to work. It's based on Mark 14.38. It says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Some of us are like, how do I, not, how do I overcome this stuff, Ron? How do I do this? There it is. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing. Or the, body is, the body is weak. The spirit's there. The spirit's willing, wanting to help us. But we're pretty weak. Human nature is going to lead us always to a relapse. The first thing to prevent a relapse is this, evaluation. 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Listen, some of you in this room can quote the Bible way better than I can. There's plenty of you in here that know the Bible way better than I do. Like to talk about that many times. You get around some Christians, they just love to talk about how much they know about the Bible. And their life is falling apart. It's not about how much you know. You can memorize it. You can read through it many, many times in your life. But if you don't let it become who you are and live it out... It doesn't matter. You can memorize Moby Dick, but is, is that really going to make your life better? You might know a little bit more about whales than I did with my little illustration, but it ain't going to make you a fisherman, I can tell you. We need to evaluate and examine our lives. Lamentations 3.40 says, instead, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. We got, it's about him working in us and through us. If you want to get through the issues that you're dealing with, it's only through him. It's not going to be through Dr. Phil. Sorry. Not going to work. I had a cousin one time go on Dr. Phil. True story. I hope she never listens to this podcast. She went on, did the thing. She talked the whole time. Dr. Phil actually looked at her and said, you talk too much. <laughs> Guess what she still does? Talks too much. Anyway, I'm sorry. Sorry. Love you. But true story. I'm not begging. You can ask my wife. It's an absolute true story. Dr. Phil's not going to fix you. Only the power of God working in and through you and me. So what do we evaluate? First, the physical. What's my body telling me? Your body's a barometer of what's going on with you. You tense, stress. Can I tell you that I have one of the most, I have almost a double vision headache today. I'm just being straight up with you. And I know why. 
we, we just been, we've been going hard. You know, I, I could give you the whole list of things, but I, I know what it is. My body's telling me I, I need to slow down. Evaluate the emotional. How are you feeling? Most of the time, I don't, I try to keep us away from how we're feeling because some of us, we're always feeling something, right? You know that person. But really, how are you feeling? See, that's the question I want to know. Somebody asked me, how are you today? Back there. I said, you want me to tell you the truth or lie to you? I'll tell you the truth, man. I feel bad. I got a bad headache. But I lie to you like we like to do in church. I'm wonderful. It's all good. Praise God. How are you feeling? Have a heart check. Check this out. Heart check. H, how are you, you know, are you hurting? Are you hurting? E, are you exhausted? A, are you angry? R, do you, you have some resentment going on? T, are you tense? Are, are, are those things, are they describing you right now? If they are, then let me just tell you that you probably got something going on that you need to deal with. Evaluate your relational. Are you at peace with everybody? You got some internal conflict going on? Listen, some of us ain't getting along with ourselves. And you better be able to get along with yourself before you can get along with anybody else. And some of the time what's going on is it's not that the, the, I can't get along with myself is the issue. There, if you're a believer in Christ, there is a spirit that lives within you. And sometimes it's not you not getting along with you. It's you not getting along with that spirit. And so you've got to look at your relationship with Christ. Is it where it needs to be? If it's not, I'm telling you, there's going to be turmoil. And that turmoil is going to come out and it's going to, it's going to splatter all over everybody else. Number four, you got to evaluate the spiritual. Am I relying on God? Moment by moment, just trusting him. Take an inventory. Just like anywhere else, take an inventory. You know, you got to look at the good fruit and the bad fruit. You know, you can't just not count the bad fruit because it's bad fruit. Because somebody's going to want to know where it went. If they, at Walmart, you know, if they don't count all the fruit, somebody's going to get in trouble because when they throw out the bad fruit, well, there's some bad fruit in there, y'all, sometimes. If they don't count all of it, then somebody's going to wonder where that went. It's okay to call it bad fruit, but sometimes, you know what? You've got to count the bad fruit in your life, and you've got to count the good fruit. Where's God doing something good? What's good in your life? Many times people can tell us all the bad stuff. They can't tell us the good stuff. Let's celebrate some stuff. Celebrate that you took a breath. That is a gift. Do an evaluation. Celebrate the good things. Galatians 6, 4 says, pay attention, careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Man, that ought to be the church's motto. Like, we ought to paint that on the building. I'm thinking. I wonder how much that would cost. You think we could take up an offering today and pay for that? Be careful. Careful attention to your own work. 
For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Wow. All right, when, when do I need to do my evaluation? We're getting there, y'all. Hang on. We're getting there. We're getting there. Evaluations are like cleaning up a house. Some of y'all are, man, y'all are clean freaks, right? You clean and sub before it even hits the, the counter, right? Little crumb falls, it's like, oh, you know, diving, don't even touch the counter. Some of y'all are like that, walking around with a dust buster, that's just you, right? So uh, you heard my story. Sometimes I come in with the mail, I drop it on the table, go get a drink, come back, the mail's gone. Like, Where'd it go? Just some, some of us are like that, right? Some of us, though, you know, we, we kind of do the, you know, we're okay with letting things get a little messy. You know, this sink a little full. Then we put them in the dishwasher. I'm, you know, I'm good with that. It'll get clean eventually. You know, when I, when I, all I got left is a unicorn mug to drink my coffee out of. <laughs> I'll wash some dishes. That, unfortunately, is a true story as well. Um, but, but some of us are like that. And then some of us are the, you know, spring's coming. I'll clean it then, right? <laughs> but listen, in our spiritual inventory, we got to be like that too. We got to look at it that way too. We need to take a daily review. At the end of every day, find a quiet spot and review your day. Confess your sins. Celebrate your victories and just look at today because that'll tell you how tomorrow, how you can have a good day tomorrow. Some of us have an, we need an annual check or need a, um, we need a spot check. We got to make sure things are good right here, right now, every day, right? Kind of going along the process. We got to make sure that we spot check the inventory so that everything is kept up and, and we don't have to let it, let it go. All right, so spot check inventory, then we got a daily review, and then we've got an annual checkup, right? An annual checkup. Go away for a day. My favorite place is to go up to the top of Mar Mountain, get a little picnic table, and just hang out for a while. I love doing that. If you've never done that, just take, take your Bible and a, and a notebook and just go up there, park at the top, Get a picnic table and just chill out and let God just, you know, begin to pray and let him just speak to you. It gets you away from all the noise of everything else. And just, just but you go find a place. Go find a place. We need to do an evaluation. We need to have some meditation. We need to have meditation. That's one of them good old biblical words, you know, one of the things. We, we, it's not the old feet crossing um, kind of thing. It's just listening, right? And that's what it is, slowing down long enough to hear God. Meditation is just slowing down long enough to hear God. Can I tell you one of the biggest things that's missing in our lives is, is that. Just, just slow down. Just for a little bit. Just slow down and listen. Let him, let him hear I drive so, most of the time, I drive with my radio completely off. I just turn it off. Just drive and listen. It's a good, good practice to have. Psalm 1, verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners, 
or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. The very first Bible that my wife gave me had that scripture printed on the front of it. And it was just a reminder of, listen, just, just listen. Just don't get ahead of God. Listen to what he's saying and let him be the one that guides you. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, some of the problem is we just, we don't know it. We don't know what we're doing. Listen to the word. Number three, the final thing is this, prayer. We are experts at praying for God to fix our mess. We are not experts at praying for God to show us how to avoid our mess. I heard a story about a lady that, that had been praying for years for, for God to bring a man into her life that would be a godly man. And so she had this pair of men's pants and she would hang them on on the, you set them on the end of the bed and she would kneel down and she would just pray that God would fill those pants with, with a godly man one day that would be a good husband, would be a good father. And this, this, this lady, at the age of 31, had 12 kids. Do the math. She had been praying for that all those, as she grew up. She had a bunch of kids because she had found that man that was the good father that would do all that. So the pastor that had shared that story, was telling that to his church one day, and he saw a dad kind of laughing, but he saw a young teenager there beside him that was intently listening and wasn't laughing. And so a few weeks later, he got a letter from that boy's mom that said, uh, I just want to tell you that you, you, know, you should really think about the power of what you say, because my son went and bought a bikini and laid it on his bed, been praying over it every night. That God would fill it. Doesn't quite work like that, y'all, okay? Just... Just saying. We need to pray for God to do the real stuff in our lives, okay? Doesn't work like that. Be praying for God to bring those things into your life when it comes to your recovery that will help you be all that he wants you to be. If you want to know how to pray, listen, it's easy. It's easy. Listen to this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, very quickly, think about that. I know that you guys have all that have memorized that in a whole other translation, which is why I use that one, because I want you to hear it. I want you to get it. Think, think about this. As we've gone through these steps, here's what it goes. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. That's saying that I realize God is God, and I'm powerless, right? God's holy. I'm not. He's the one. That's step one. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
That's step five. Think about that. See, you thought this stuff was just something I made up or whatever. Give us today the food we need. That's step three. Forgive us our sins. That's step four. As we have forgiven those who sin against us, that's step six. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's relapse. Don't let us give back into that. Don't let us yield to it when it comes our way, because everything that you, whatever you, you struggle with is always going to come back around. You're going to run into that person that hurt you. You're going to hear a story that's going to remind you of it. You're going you're gonna, to whatever. You're going to find yourself dealing with it again. So God knew what we were going to need when we needed to pray. He said, listen, pray through this. And if you'll pray this way and ask him to do these things in your life, you'll be able to not only overcome the things in your life, but you'll be able to move on from it and take somebody else and give them the gift of knowing what it is and help them walk through it as well. You and I have been equipped with the things that we need to overcome whatever it is that we face. This Bible thing is a pretty good thing if you hadn't caught on to that yet. Even today, it's still giving us exactly what we need to live out this amazing life that he's created us to have. And can I just tell you that if, if your life doesn't seem quite so amazing and quite so abundant like he said he came to give you, then I'm going to encourage you to take that and begin to read about it and figure out how it is that he wants you to live and know that the answer is right there and that abundance is found in following him. So let me ask you these questions. Do you have a daily time with God that you spend focused on your relationship with him? Does, do you read your Bible? I mean, not just read it. Because like I, I read the newspaper and it makes me want to throw up. Okay? I mean, do you read it and say, God, let me talk to you. You talk to me, I want to listen, I want to hear it. Do you read your Bible? Do you, do you write down notes that he shows you and things that he encourages you to, to do? And then do you pray? And do you not just pray for God to give you that man or that woman or whatever, you know, to make, you know, I, I keep praying for those lottery numbers. They ain't come yet. Also, I'm just joking. I'm, I, you got to play it to win it. And so, but the truth is, is that we, what are we praying for? And so today, I just want to encourage you. And maybe you're thinking, you know, Ron, I don't really know how to do that. Good. Next Sunday, come and plan to stay. We're going to eat together. Right? We're going to eat pizza. So if you don't like pizza, run, get something, and come right back or whatever. Or tell me what kind of pizza you like, and I'll make sure we'll try to have it. Um, but we're going to hang out together here. We'll watch your kids. We'll take care of you. We'll spend time together going through what it takes to have that kind of relationship with him. And whether you're a new believer, an old believer, or, you know, whatever, if you're super spiritual Sam, I believe there's going to be things in there that you and I can both, can all plug into and walk out of it being more of who he wants us to be. But today, where are you? If you don't have that time, maybe today's the time to confess that and ask him to help you have it. 
Maybe today you've never accepted what he did for you on the cross. Today's the day to accept it. Maybe you said, you know what, I don't even believe you exist. Maybe today's just a day to not even do that, just to say, you know what, God, I think you might be real. Just show me. I don't know where you are, but today I know that he does. And I do know that he cares where you are today. God, today I pray that you would speak very clearly to us. God, I know today has been one of those kind of long, kind of slow process messages. But God, I can't help but believe that there's, that there's something in here for somebody else in the room other than me. God, as you've helped walk me through and remind me through this this week that there is a love that you have for every single one of us that is just unbelievable. Unmistakable in the sense of that you would give your greatest, your greatest for us. And so today, God, I just pray that as we come to this moment of just reflection and, and just, just spending time with you, God, that you would move in us and show us what it is that you have for us. God, maybe today somebody just needs to come and just acknowledge a sin. Maybe somebody needs to acknowledge they need to, to go and make amends with somebody. Maybe somebody needs to walk across the room and give somebody a hug because they've wronged them and they just need to make it right. God, whatever it is that you need to do in our lives, God, may we be found willing and ready. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.